MSW Media. Big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER20. Hello, and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, February 12th, 2024. Today, Donald Trump encourages Putin to invade NATO allies in Europe. The FCC makes AI-generated voices in robocalls illegal. RFK Jr.'s super PAC is accused of campaign finance violations. New January 6th footage shows an insurrectionist firing a gun. The man who dove over the bench and attacked a judge in Nevada has been charged with attempted murder and three people caught bringing fentanyl over the border to the U.S. are citizens. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. Happy Taylor Swift Bowl Sunday. Happy Happy Usher Owl. concert. Absolutely. Happy Usher concert. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, we're recording this before the Super Bowl. I'm going to be rooting for the Chiefs. And it's not just because of Taylor Swift, although that's, you know, MAGA tears would be icing on the cake. It's because I have been rooting against the 49ers since they shellacked my Chargers in 1995 uh-huh. in the Super Bowl. So... I've never really been a huge 49ers fan, but All right. anyway, big game. I'm today. one of those people that like I'm excited about the commercials and I want both teams to stay healthy. So that's <laughs> yeah. sort of where I'm at. I also <laughs> love that there's so many articles right now talking about how this is like Taylor Swift. And I know people are tired of hearing her name, but she has literally brought fathers and daughters together mm-hmm. in a way to watch the Super Bowl in numbers that they haven't seen, which is a really beautiful thing. So. Those that that one commercial that's been going around, I reposted it on Twitter. I'm like, oh, I'm not crying. Yeah. You're crying. Before we get to news, if I may, and I would normally keep these for the, my final thoughts, but I think it's important to hear. I know not everyone listens to the good news. I was just in North Carolina. I was doing a gala for the human rights campaign, and it, they brought to my attention, and I, this is a problem in the next election, so I want people, especially in California, to be very vigilant and aware of this. There was an elected official that ran as the Democrat. And when she got in, she flipped her party, Mm -hmm. gave North Carolina's legislature a supermajority within the legislature, and they redrew really voter-suppressed maps. And it fucked all the North Carolina voters. Yep. This has also happened in California. If you're in a district in California where there's a new Democrat on the scene that you've never heard of before or someone that you think is sketchy, do some research. Because oftentimes, that person, if you've got your little hairs up, There's a reason why, because right now people are running as Democrats because they know they'll get elected in California, planning to switch parties. I know that sounds very um, conspiracy theory. It's not. And I I just saw it happen in North Carolina. So please, please, please be vigilant in this election. Yeah. And we talked about that when that happened. I remember. Yeah. Get them getting the supermajority. It was really unfortunate, but yeah, it, so. it really was. Uh, later in the show today, you and I have the um, amazing honor to interview uh, comedian Lori Kilmartin. She's brilliant. Brilliant. She has a new comedy special out called Cis Woke Grief Slut. Um, I really highly recommend it if you have a dark sense of humor, gallows yes. humor. Um, it's uh, She's amazing. And, dark uh, sense of humor is a must for mm-hmm. Lori Kilmartin. If you are easily offended by things that didn't happen to you but happened to other people and they're bringing <laughs> light to them, this may not be the one for you. But stretch yourself. Watch it. It's worth it. She's so smart, too. Yeah, she is. I love her and I love I love this new special. So we'll talk to her later in the show. Uh, we've got a lot of news. Just a couple of quick hits today. Make a long story short. Too late. All right. First up, the Federal Communications Commission announced the unanimous adoption of a declaratory ruling that recognizes calls made with AI generated voices are artificial under the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. The ruling, which takes effect immediately. Do you hear that? You hear that, Jacob Wool? <laughs> the ruling that takes mm-hmm. effect immediately makes voice cloning technology used in common robocall scams targeting consumers illegal. This would give state attorneys general across the country new tools to go after bad actors behind these nefarious robocalls. Yay. Good, good, good. Speaking of bad actors, that man who leaped over a judicial bench 
and attacked a Nevada judge during a sentencing hearing in Las Vegas last month that was captured in a courtroom video. That thing went viral while he has been indicted for attempted murder. A grand jury returned the nine-count indictment against Redden, who's 30 years old, in Las Vegas on Thursday. His arraignment is scheduled for February 29th, and I am happy about this. That attack was horrifying. I was wild. He just dove over I the mean, bench. flew. The <sighs> adrenaline that was running through his body flew over and attacked her, put her head into a wall. It was, it was a horrible video, a horrible video to watch. Harrowing, scary, frightening. So nine-count murder charge. All right, we have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up from CBS, CBS News. Republican frontrunner Donald Trump said Saturday that as president, he warned NATO allies that he would encourage Russia to do whatever the hell they want. That's a quote to countries that are delinquent as he ramped up his attacks on foreign aid and longstanding international alliances. Speaking at a, a rally in Conway, South Carolina, Trump recounted a story he has told before about an unidentified NATO member who confronted him over his threat not to defend members who failed to meet the transatlantic alliance's defense spending targets. But this time, Trump went further, saying he told the member he would encourage Russia to do as it wishes in that case. You didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, no, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. Ugh. NATO allies agreed in 2014 after Russia annexed Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula to halt the spending cuts that they had made after the Cold War and move towards spending 2% of their GDPs on defense by 2024. In response, White House spokesperson Andrew Bates told CBS News in a statement Saturday night that, quote, encouraging invasions of our closest allies by murderous regimes is appalling and unhinged, and it endangers American national security global security, and our economy here at home. Rather than calling for wars and promoting deranged chaos, President Biden will continue to bolster American leadership and stand up for our national security interests, not against them. Trump's comments come as Ukraine remains mired in its efforts to stave off Russia's 2022 invasion. And as Republicans in Congress have become increasingly skeptical of providing additional aid money to the country as it struggles with stalled counteroffensives and weapon shortfalls. And I'd like to just interject here. Republicans in Congress have become increasingly skeptical of providing additional aid money. Mm -hmm. They have voted against it every single mm -hmm. time and refused to bring it up in bills. So let's be clear. Uh, they also come as Trump and his team are increasingly confident he will lock up the nomination in the coming weeks following commanding victories in the first votes of the 2024 Republican nominating calendar. During his 2016 campaign, Trump alarmed Western allies by warning that the U.S. under his leadership would abandon its NATO treaty commitments and only come to the defense of countries that meet the alliance's guidelines by committing 2% of their GDPs to military spending. As of 2022, NATO reported that seven of the 31 NATO member countries were meeting that obligation, up from three in 2014. Russia's 2022 invasion of Ukraine has spurred additional military spending by some NATO members. Trump has often tried to take credit for that increase and bragged again Saturday that as a result of his threats, hundreds of billions of dollars came into NATO, even though countries do not pay NATO directly. <laughs> <laughs> Trump, as president, eventually endorsed NATO's Article 5 Mutual Defense Clause, which states that an armed attack against one or more of its members shall be considered an attack against all members. But he often depicted NATO allies as leeches uh, and openly questioned the value of the military alliance that has defined American foreign policy for decades and decades. Um, he wants to dismantle NATO. And in fact, there was a recent bill passed in Congress to prevent presidents from unilaterally withdrawing the United States from NATO because mm -hmm. of Donald Trump. And I find it very interesting that Trump encouraged Putin to invade NATO allies in Europe on the heels of Tucker Carlson's embarrassing two-hour interview mm -hmm. with President Putin, during which the Russian president mocked Tucker for not being a serious enough person to get accepted into the CIA. And Tucker just stared at him like, okay, this is happening, is it? Yep, Yeah, it just is. blinking, it is just like mm -hmm. doing his Tucker blink. Yeah, what the hell is this going to say to him? It's Putin. <laughs> Jesus. He's like, All well, right, you know, I, you, I heard you didn't get into the CIA. But that makes sense because the CIA is a very serious organization. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. You set yourself up for that, you schmuck. 
Mm. All right. This is from Ryan Riley at NBC. Newly unearthed footage from January 6th of 2021, you know the day, appears to show a rioter, a man identified in NBC news story nearly two years ago, firing a gun into the air outside the Capitol during the attack. Online sleuths who have been amazing, they've aided in hundreds of January 6th prosecutions. They say he is the same man they identified to the FBI who is currently individual number 200 on the Bureau's Capitol violence page, which he first appeared on three years ago. Videos and photographs from the Capitol on January 6th showed him with what appears to be a gun in his waistband. As NBC News previously reported, that man, John Emmanuel Banuelos, told Salt Lake City Police that he was at the Capitol and had been captured on film with a gun. Quote, I was in the D.C. riots. That's what he told investigators, according to the police transcript. He said, I'm the only one in the video with the gun right there. Okay. Well, Benuelos had not been arrested or charged in connection with January 6th. The Salt Lake City Police had arrested him in connection with the fatal stabbing of a 19-year-old Christopher Thomas Sen in a park on July 4th of 2021. Quote, man, should I just tell the FBI to come get me or what? That's what he asked Salt Lake City police officers, according to a police transcript. Weeks later, Banuelos called an investigator with the department and, quote, talked about going where Donald Trump sent him, apparently referencing the Capitol, according to police record. The Salt Lake City DA's office did not pursue a case against Banuelos, who claims self-defense and sends death. Now, footage released by another January 6th rioter appears to show Benuelos firing the gun into the air twice during the chaotic scene on the west side of the Capitol as rioters battled with police. Online sleuths also surfaced U.S. Capitol Police surveillance footage previously released in connection with another Capitol attack case that shows the man they've identified as Benuelos appearing to fire the gun. They found multiple other videos in which the gunshots can be heard. The footage is the first showing a rioter firing a gun on January 6th. The incident took place at about 2.34 p.m., which is about 10 minutes before an officer inside the Capitol shot and killed Ashley Babbitt as she jumped through a broken window leading into the speaker's lobby after they told her several times not to. The incident with the gun outside the Capitol was not previously known to online sleuths and has never been mentioned to any court filing. At the time and location where the shots appear to have been fired, the Capitol grounds were in chaos, with law enforcement firing their own non-lethal rounds of crowd control munitions following sustained, repeated assaults on officers, which could explain why the sound of two gunshots didn't grab much attention. Despite repeated false claims from conservative media figures that the mob that stormed the Capitol were unarmed, A multitude of defendants were armed with deadly or dangerous weapons, including several who carried firearms, as the Justice Department had proven in court several times. Among January 6 rioters were proven to have carried firearms during the Capitol attack are Christopher Alberts. He was sentenced to seven years in prison. Mark Mazza carried two guns and was sentenced to five years in prison. Refit, who was sentenced to seven years in prison after he became the first January 6 defendant to go to jail. Another January 6th participant, Jared Barger, he dropped his gun in the mob and was recently sentenced to five years of probation with six months of home confinement. The officer who recovered Barger's weapon on the ground was, quote, aware of multiple reports of firearms in the crowd. That's all according to prosecutors. Trump also knew the crowd was armed. He knew it was armed. His former aide, Cassidy Hutchinson, testified before the House January 6th committee in 2022 he urged security to remove the magnetometers as at his rally. That morning, we, we have testimony. This is what Cassidy Hutchins said, adding that Trump yelled, they're not here to hurt me. Mm-hmm. Okay, because so few rioters were arrested on the scene on January 6th, there will never be a full accounting of how many rioters were actually carrying guns and other weapons. That's frightening. It could have been so much worse. Absolutely. All right, next up from Michael Shearer at the Washington Post. The DNC, Democratic National Committee, accused third-party candidate RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr., on Friday of violating federal election law by unlawfully coordinating with a super PAC in a $15 million effort to collect signatures for state ballot access. The complaint followed an announcement effort by the American Values 2024 PAC that it will spend $15 million to collect signatures in 15 states so Kennedy can appear on the ballot. In a call with reporters Friday, DNC legal counsel Bob Leonard argued that state law presumes and in some cases requests that the candidate committee or candidate is involved in the petition process, making the super PAC spending an illegal in-kind donation. 
Okay. Super PACs are allowed to raise unlimited amounts of money, but they are not allowed to coordinate spending with campaigns. And this shows that they are. Amaryllis Fox Kennedy, the candidate's campaign manager and daughter-in-law, said in a statement that the FEC complaint was a non-issue. The campaign, she explained, had created a structure that allows any volunteer to download signature forms for the various states and then mail them in for verification by a campaign vendor. Quote, we receive parcels of signatures from our volunteer groups all over the country, she said. To my knowledge, we have yet to receive any signatures from American Values PAC or any PAC, nor have we provided any information that is not available to every volunteer and media outlet on our public websites. So, well... Uh, that might be under federal criminal investigation. We'll <laughs> yeah, see. I think so. <laughs> All right, AG, thank you. And last in this segment, this is from Michael Daly at The Daily Beast. In one 48-hour period last week, Customs and Border Patrol officers, they thwarted three separate attempts to smuggle fentanyl into the U.S. at the Paso del Norte border crossing in Texas. None of these people were migrants. None, despite the narrative being peddled across MAGA world that immigrants bring the deadly drug with them as they pour across a supposedly open border. All three, all three of them, a 20-year-old who had 37 pounds stashed in a spare tire, a 45-year-old who had 0.29 pounds in her vagina, Mm -hmm. that could have gone terribly wrong, and a 26-year-old who had 0.16 pounds similarly concealed. They were all similarly concealed. Like, hmm. and that sounds like up the butt, or they would have said that in that it was also in the vagina. I don't know why they didn't. I think that one keister stashed them. I do. Yeah, a little bit up the butt, little fentanyl up the butt. I mean, who hasn't among us? Me and AG. Okay, (laughs) maybe not people in the White House and Trump's White House. Oh my God. Maybe Don Jr. I'm sure that's he doesn't snort cocaine, but he didn't say anything about the other thing. In fact, back to the story, nearly 90% of those arrested for trafficking in fentanyl are Americans. 90% are Americans, roughly the same percentage of interceptions at legal crossing points, such as Paseo del Norte. Virtually none of the asylum seekers detained at the border are found with the drug. None. And yet, right-wing figures from House Speaker Mike Johnson to J.D. Vance at least Stefanik, they stridently seek to link migrants in the fentanyl ep- epidemic. Vance and Stefanik have even sought to use that fiction to uh, perpetrate another, okay? They both said that Trump was really speaking about fentanyl when he said in December that migrants are, and I quote, poisoning the blood of our nation. No. Wow, that's a fucking leap. Mm. Yeah. Quote, he said illegal immigrants were poisoning the blood of the country, which is objectively and obviously true to anyone who looks at the statistics about fentanyl overdoses. That was from Vance. And Stefanik said our border crisis is poisoning Americans through fentanyl. None of those are connected. In truth, Americans are poisoning Americans. Clearly from this article, David Lucky, a senior international and defense researcher at RAND, who participated in the Commission on Combating Synthetic Opioid Trafficking's study of the fentanyl problem, told the Daily Beast on Saturday, quote, there's not a single silver bullet that's going to stop this from happening. We need to do things across three dimensions, supply reduction, demand reduction, and harm reduction if we're to save lives. He suggested that supply should be a focus. Quote, every 55-gallon drum of precursor chemicals that we can prevent from being shipped from China to Mexico stops millions of potentially lethal doses at the user level. This is what he said and went on to say, it is easier to stop millions of doses from reaching their intended recipient, or it would be easier to stop one 55-gallon drum of precursor chemical, which would be easier. He said that he and his colleague determined it takes very little fentanyl to supply the annual demand in America. Quote, basically, what we came up with was about three large pickup truck loads of pure fentanyl will supply the entire U.S. demand for a year. Three pickup truck loads from the tons and tons of goods that that cross the border. Just three pickup trucks. Unbelievable. At least the bipartisan border bill backed by President Joe Biden would have provided 1,500 more custom officers. It also would have funded 100 outsized X-ray machines to screen vehicles at, at points of entry where almost all fentanyl comes into the country. In declaring that bill had no chance of passage, Mike Johnson used the same phrase that he seems to be using all the time now. I'm employed to describe an ever-growing number of Americans who are poisoned by fentanyl. And he said, dead on arrival. Mm. He is such a schmuck. 
Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy, indeed. <laughs> All right. Um, we have some good news to get to. But before that, you can hear uh, Dana and I talk to Lori Kilmartin about her new special, Sis Woke Grief Slut, right after this break. Stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. As you know, Helix Sleep has transformed my nights with the best mattress I've ever used in my entire life, head and shoulders above any other mattress I've ever slept on. It's perfect for the way I sleep, and it feels like it was crafted just for me, because it was. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life, and you'll get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. As we know, everyone has a different way of sleeping. Helix knows this, too, better than anyone, and they offer a variety of mattress models tailored for specific sleep positions and preferences. Helix has 20 unique mattresses including the award-winning Lux Collection and the just-released Elite Collection, which is incredible. They have a mattress for everyone, including options for our big and tall sleepers and kids. I mean, they have mattresses for everyone. The key to finding your perfect fit is that Helix Sleep Quiz I was telling you about. It's an easy way to find the perfect mattress that's designed to complement your body and sleep style. And once you place your order, it is delivered right to your doorstep, no extra cost. You get a 100-night free trial. They will pick it up at no cost if you don't like it, and it's got a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix proudly stands behind the quality of every mattress they ship out. It's a no-brainer. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I like sleeping on my side, something that everyone in America now knows about me, which is weird, but hey. I love this mattress. The mattress has changed my life. I'm never going back to my old mattress again. Right now, Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm excited today to be joined by staff writer for Conan O'Brien for 11 years, co-host of the Jackie and Lori Show podcast, which you must listen to wherever you get your podcasts. And her new stand-up special, Sis Woke Grief Slut, is out now, available to the masses. You know her, you love her. Please welcome Lori Kilmartin. Hi, Lori. Woo! Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. <laughs> Uh, it, it's exciting for me. You know, I, I did uh, comedy for 10 years. I've been following your career. I absolutely love your stand up because you come at it from such a real but also dark like gallows oh, place. So good. Yeah. And that is, in my mind, like so important, you know, to, to be relatable. And I, I know it sounds odd to people to think like, how am I? How do I relate to dark humor? But we all really do. Yeah, I um, I know there's like, to me, it's upbeat to be really dark about awful stuff. Like, that's how I get through it. So to me, that's being positive. But I, I don't know, some people think it's too much. But I'm like, no, that's uh, being happy is too much. Uh, what are you thinking? <laughs> Look <laughs> around you. It's pressure. awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the world's burning. Why are you smiling? It's like a yeah. Good Smith's <laughs> album, like upbeat depression. I think, I think it's, <laughs> yes. you know, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> So I'll meet you at the cemetery <laughs> gates. Yeah. Who, you know, um, so yeah. absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I want to talk about this new special because I've I've watched it. It's incredible. It's funny, but it's also got a lot of really poignant sort of moments in it that you spin into comedy gold. So so talk a little bit about about some of those those moments. Like I know that in this particular first of all, the title, Sis Woke Grief Slut, fantastic. So good. Thank but, you. <laughs> you know, like, first of all, you talk about getting doxxed by Fox News viewers, right? Right. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I uh, you know, I told like a middling joke. It wasn't even a good joke on uh, MSNBC <laughs> on on Amon's show. You can't tell he, your A material on MSNBC. It's got to be your C no, material. <laughs> absolutely. At best. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a zo you, you it's Zoom commentary, which is tough to do. It's it's not you know, it's not the best place for comedy anyway but um it was the weekend mother's day weekend when they uh leaked the draft that they're going to overturn row so i just made this dumb little abortion joke and um it was clipped out by this site called media which i'm sure you're familiar with and uh it was presented as you know guest says she'd abort a republican's fetus and then that turned into oh this is classic liberals and then it went up all the way up the right news right wing news chain to to sean hannity and then he did a segment on me and so there was lots of there was doxing there was lots of death threats there was lots of you should have been aborted from pro-life people and it was uh, like three intense days of me thinking i was going to be shot to death <laughs> 
And then it just went away. It was a very strange phenomenon. They found someone else to, you know, to focus on. And their t- yeah. attention span is really that short. It is. Like Steven Crowder sent them a They're different like, clip. like, we want to kill her. I want chips. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're driven by they're being told to go after clips and then they're given a new one to get mad about. So, um, yeah, that was a that was a wild ride. Yeah. No, Trump is now saying, hey, guys, maybe we shouldn't have gone so hard against Bud Light. Right. So because I guess probably he needs the donations. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's the attention span of gnats, of cultists, really. I mean, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And you also talk about losing your mom. To COVID. Yeah. My mom got COVID early in June of 2020 and she died June 18th. Um, and, uh, you know, I had already like live tweeted my dad's death. So I, I don't know, I just write jokes in real time and Twitter such a great place for that stuff. And, you, you know, you, I'm not going to go to a comedy club and do, you know, especially uh, you couldn't go during the pandemic to do jokes. So I, I just tweet them just like all comedians do. And um, I think at that time, it was the first time someone was doing it live as it was happening instead of, you know, my loved one died, here's what it was like. So I think it kind of took off in a in a way because people were following her journey through me. Um, so and it was uh, it was, you know, the first couple of months of lockdown. So everything was so strange and weird. And I don't think it. there was some pushback like, oh, who's that baseball player, Aubrey Huff? You know, there's a couple people like that, but it seemed like more people were just scared out of their minds and were kind of doing what they were told a little bit. And mm-hmm. it was before things got super, super partisan. You know, uh, at that time, at least Trump was looking for a vaccine, <laughs> you know, and uh, so, yeah, that. Uh, so anyway, I have like five minutes on that. <laughs> um, it's so you know. well done. Though. I, it is so oh, well thanks. done. And I love that, you know, I don't want to give away any of the material. You all have to watch the special. <laughs> but you're basically like, you know, 85 percent of my audience is horrified. And the rather 15 of you are like, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. And also the um, the uh, the mortician. That's completely true. Her name's Lindsay Amazing. Barrington. She's this young woman who started a mortuary in January of 2020. Just like, let me just try this business. <laughs> I don't know. She must own an island now. But, um, you know, it well, was, that is insane. I, was, that, I know. <laughs> that's like actually getting lucky buying Apple when it first started at like $5 a share. <laughs> I mean, I know she didn't do it on purpose, but starting that business right at the beginning of the pandemic, it was a windfall. I know. I'm like, there may, was she getting, like, reading other news sources? I have no idea. But Was uh, she on a committee incredible. with the Republicans who traded stock on body bags? Because that's what it sounds like. <gasps> oh, God, I bet. But uh, yeah, and I Ben Motor, you know, the amount, and it was 1200 which is really cheap for uh, cremation. So yeah, yeah, it was it was a deal. Um, and I, I recommend her services to anyone looking. <laughs> <laughs> And I think uh, one of my favorite parts of uh, this, and and you've shared this clip pretty widely on social media, too, is why trans women are your favorite women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't even be writing about trans women, but I was so irritated by everyone else who was, but coming at that, coming at it as like, they're, uh, they're hurting me, or they could get me or it was just like a, a weird thing. And I wanted to come at it from like a, like a cis woman point of view of, uh, you know, let's walk arm in arm and try to make the world better. So that was like the intention. And then there's just a bunch of jokes on top of that intention. But I, I think you did it. I think you did it well. I mean, like you you said, there's so many and male comics, we know who they are, we won't have to mention them that it's just not they're they're not even good, well written jokes. And so I, I just feel like yours were very empowering. The jokes are well written. And I also have a size 11 foot. So I feel <laughs> you, Lori Kilmartin. <laughs> uh, I'm in my Uggs right now. But yeah, and it's always the same point of view, you know, like, are you do you, does anyone even have an original point of view if you're gonna, you know, and I honestly, yeah. I'd much rather hear from trans women, what their lives are like anyway. So, you know, there's so many great trans comics uh, that the fact that anyone has to hear from a cis comic on them at all is obnoxious. But at totally. least I thought, well, I, let me yeah. come from the 
the other point of view. So I would want it. I would hope that if there's ever a trans woman in the audience, um, and they're up, you know, they're frequently is that they laugh at those jokes. And, you know, I mean, obviously you're not going to get everybody with every joke, but they wouldn't feel, you know, uh, stigmatized at all. Just like feel like, Hey, Hey, that was right. Like destigmatizing our genitals. Another great bit from, (laughs) from (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I I will just let you, I will let everybody watch that because I am not going to walk on any (laughs) punchlines, but there's other great material about you know, like sort of transforming douchebags after they have daughters. And, you know, (laughs) I immediately am thinking back to as you're talking about, you know, these douchebags doxing you, like the MAGA crowd, going back to uh, an an op-ed, a piece that you did in The New York Times called about being a female comic in Louis C.K.'s world. Mm -hmm. And I I want I know we're we're focused on your on your new special here in this particular interview. But I think that this kind of lends to what you end up talking about as far as kind of recruiting, you know, these douchebags into the world of feminism. (laughs) But talk a little bit about that, what it was like to be a female comic in the time of cholera. I mean, Louis (laughs) C.K. Well, sort like I I. I knew Louie a little bit and he was always nice to me. So I never had like that kind of a negative interaction, but it, it was more like uh, just the always just being careful and navigating, you know, like I recently did a, a podcast with Nicole Byer and she's asked about um, chuckle fuckers. I don't know if I can swear, but it basically oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, guy, yeah, guys, you know, that will, that you would hook up with after a show. And so few female comics even feel safe enough to, like act like a male comic does with female audience members. It's just a completely different world um, that we live in. And and you're always just trying to like, uh, you know, uh, not piss off the booker. Um, again, I'm sort of aging out of some of this stuff. But when I was younger, it was like, I'm the same age as the booker. And uh, uh, am I going to get paid without having to, you know, give a, you know, give a close hug or all that kind of stuff. It's just yeah. extra stuff you have to constantly navigate that um, I'm sure women in many, many professions uh, understand and have to constantly worry about, you know, and then with the that, that idea that guys that the guys that overly announce that they're a father of a daughter and then, you know, say women deserve equal rights. Like half of them, I'm like, are you, wasn't there a story about you sexually assaulting? But okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm having two different images of you, you know, and it seems like they're always trying too hard. Like uh, there's plenty. My dad never said that. He's just a good dad, you know? So it, it always seems like they're trying to, uh, change everyone's opinion about them or or stamp you know that uh they're a feminist now so you can't you know you can't point out that you know there might be charges in another, another state <laughs> or something like that you know yeah well that, that was always one of the hard parts about being a comedian for me was getting flack for doing shows with sex pests like i had a choice um <laughs> like like I i'm love- gonna turn down a show uh because somebody on the show uh, is a piece of shit. And, and, you know, like I am somehow responsible for that. Um, when I am clearly not anywhere near the headlining, uh, you know, part of this show. Um, but also, you know, being sexually, uh, assaulted and then not being able to tell anybody about it because I wouldn't be passed at the comedy store or, you know, I'll make sure you never work in this town again or whatever the shit it is. Uh, And then finally going back after the podcasting thing blew up, finally going back and talking to the GM down at the comedy store, like, by the way, this guy did this. Fuck that guy. And I don't care Mm -hmm. if you never pass me because I don't want to be here anymore. So it's difficult, but it's also, I found in some ways easier because, because people have this idea that women are not as funny as men. You know, I got asked all the time, like, what's it like in that world? And I was like, I actually like it better because if I'm as funny as the guys, I am perceived as funnier because they have such low expectations when I walk out on stage. So I I liked it um, being underestimated before anything comes out of your mouth. But it's a totally different world. Well, you know, yeah, with when it's just me with the audience, I'm like, I got this. But when it's a booker going, well, I don't know, women don't, do, 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 then it they stop you from getting work. And then you don't get to be in front of that audience. Like if I, yeah. if, it, if the, 
you know, they're always the barrier. And uh, I mean, it's so different now, but like in the 90s and uh, whenever that Vanity Fair article came out, like Chris Hitchens uh, like damaged me financially <laughs> and a, a lot of women, you know, just because people ran with that. They um, and used it as a reason not to book us and um, not to go see shows. You know, if we were booked, uh, it was just like a prejudice you could easily access. And, you know, cause it was in Vanity Fair. It was, on a, it was a headline and not even go to the show. So, um, yeah, I, I, I always feel like just get me in front of the audience. I'm fine. And in terms of if I start, you know, not work, you know, uh, working with people cause they're sex pests, I will never work. It's right. from day one, there's never. always been <laughs> I would actually rather open for somebody who's a sex pest just to get a bunch of material out there and like, yes. all right, now you follow that because I've, I've laid, I put a few seeds in their brains and let's see if you can, I mean, they would be able to follow it, but there's women in the audience and there's people that don't know. They just go to a comedy show. And so, you know, anything you can do to, uh, offset <laughs> the bullshit they're about to hear is always good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I agree. Talk about the title, please. Tell us how that came about. I want to know the workshopping of Cis Woke Grief Slut. Cis, I guess, well, you know, uh, it got, got even more alluring after Elon Musk called it a slur. That was like, yeah. wow, uh, it's, it's hard to put it down now. And uh, just because I, I wanted to, I guess, um, even though I was doing trans jokes, I wanted, I wanted it to be about Cis, me, you know, so I didn't want it to stigmatize, you know, or, I just wanted it to be focused on me. Uh, grief, um, woke, I, woke because I always get called woke in comments. So I would like to get ahead of it. So if someone calls me that, it's like, yeah, okay. Did you just read the title? Uh, grief because of my mom. It was some mom jokes. And then slut was uh, what I was called repeatedly by, uh, I think, a church in Florida that kind of all emailed me they kind of got together to call me a slut because I told an abortion joke. And as I said in the special, I would, I'm a middle-aged single mom. I please slut me and you dox me. So, you know, where I live. So stop by the house and, you know, talk me up, make me an offer. <laughs> the way you took it and made it into comedy. And that's what we do as comedians when stuff like this happens, yeah. like otherwise we would be in fucking there. Well, we are in therapy anyway, but yeah. like for our entire <laughs> lives, like we would crawl into a hole and you're like, no, I've got to make some sort of light of this. Otherwise, I'm going to go yeah. crazy because the shit you went through was scary. Like you said in the special, yep. like you were for a good three days like, oh, God, this is. Am I OK? It was scary. Someone sent me pictures of my house, you know, and that's, that's and then I realized that yeah. was from a real estate listing. But for a while, I was I thought they'd stood outside my house. So I was oh like, my oh, God. my God, like, it's like it's like watermarked <laughs> Zillow. Oh, OK, we're OK. Yeah. Yep, we're okay. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> but it was scary. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, you do it so well. You take all of these relatable real life things, you spin them into comedy gold. And I absolutely love your new special. Everybody must watch it. We will have a link to it in the show notes. It's called Cis Woke Grief Slut. And I, it, it's almost like man, woman, camera, TV. Uh, but, <laughs> but, like, yeah. but on the correct side of history. Uh, so thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really wonderful talking to you. And I also encourage everybody to listen to the Jackie and Lori show because that's an incredible podcast. So tell everybody where oh, they can nice. find that. Um, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts where, uh, it's just myself and Jackie Cation. She's another standup. We both started at around the same time. She started in Wisconsin and I started in San Francisco. And back then women weren't allowed to work together. So we had, we didn't know each other. We kind of met in Los Angeles later in life, like when we were in our forties and we just started a podcast because at the time it just felt like podcasts were guys talking to guys and they hardly had women as guests. And, we we decided to have no guests because that's easier to book, <laughs> and uh, so we just <laughs> who books we, that? It's just us for <laughs> yeah. I do. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, it just it's just us for an hour uh, once a week uh, talking about comedy, and we didn't think it would last this long. But stand up comedy simultaneously became like the most popular thing in America. So there's always something to talk about, and there's always gigs to talk about and stuff. So so far we are able to fill an hour since 2015 once a week it's so. amazing jackie's brilliant yeah. you're brilliant oh, I, I the two yeah. of you together yeah oh wow. thank, thank you. you guys so much <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm glad dana could join us for this interview too me yeah, too yeah me too 
I appreciate your time. Uh, again, Lori Kilmartin. It's called Ciswoke Grief Slut. Find it wherever you get stuff. I mean, you know, go yeah. to the internets, Google it, go to the World Book Encyclopedia and look up under W for, <laughs> for who is for woke. For where can I find nice Lori Kilmartin's special? <laughs> where can I and find it? That's a callback, motherfucker. All right, everybody. Exactly. That was like a double callback. Thank you so much. Uh, and we appreciate your time. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, especially pronunciation corrections, you could send those to us. <laughs> uh, if you have a shit kid say or a uh, a mo- uh, Daily Beans Mondegreens, which is misheard song lyrics. You can send that to us. Thesis titles, dissertation titles, those are always fun um, and sometimes very difficult to understand because y'all are so fucking <laughs> smart. Um, if you have whoopee stories, blankie stories, stuffed animal stories, stories about the VA, if you have a good story about healthcare at the VA or, or, or a student debt relief story, those are those are like bringing me to tears. I absolutely love those. Send those to us. Shout out to a loved one, small business in your area, adoptable pet in your area. If you don't have pod pet tax to pay anything at all, send it to us dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, and don't worry, we will address the Murfreesboro pronunciation. Pronu- oh I can't even say like when I have to say Murfreesboro, I can't pronounce other words around it. See, the thing is, A.G., like, and I totally appreciate everyone giving feedback. The pronunciation, meaning like what it's supposed to sound like, isn't the problem. It's getting my mouth to actually not tongue tie it. Yeah. That's the problem. And I don't know if any pronunciation explanation is going to fix that. Well, we'll get to it. I spoke to I spoke to the incomparable Phil Williams of News Channel 5 in Nashville and you? Uh, and he has some things to say along with a lot of our other listeners. But first, Murfreesboro. 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 <laughs> and they're laughing at us. I just want you to know. People in Tennessee yeah. are like, "Why are you having such a hard time?" Someone's like, "Just but, call it borough. They're going to think you're a, you're going <laughs> to the, the tourist. Just call it borough." I'm like, "Okay, cool. That I can you do." Just say a little south of Nashville. <laughs> yeah. No, but anyway, first up from anonymous pronouns, he and him. Howdy, Beans Queens. I want to do a huge shout out to my lovely wife, Kate. She's stuck with me through some of the roughest times uh, of our lives, including 11 months of unemployment, thanks COVID, the loss of my father to Alzheimer's, and recently her father's own Alzheimer's diagnosis. Mm. Oh, that's so hard. She's been standing beside me and putting in the work while still managing to hold it together. I love you, Kate. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather scream misheard Coheed and Cambria lyrics with. (laughs) That's fantastic. For context, in their song, Welcome Home, the actual line is, fucking up all I do. But when the song came out, she thought it was fucking Apple of Doom. No. And we've been screaming Apple of Doom at each other at every Coheed show we've been to since. (laughs) Apple of Doom. For pod pet tax, including a picture of Fry and Leela, our little Planet Express crew. Fry is the void, both in appearance and intellect. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and Leela is the pretty gray lady. Oh, like the Queen Mary. Uh, they may be expensive, but they make our lives better. Thank, to you. Thank you to you and your crew for all that you do to keep us informed and laughing. And this is a beautiful photo of your kitties. And Very sweet. Anonymous, may I recommend uh, the song Kate? by Ben Folds 5. I think you will enjoy it. Well, there you go. All right. This is from Annie Fox, pronoun she and her. My debut young adult novel is coming out Tuesday, February 13th, Galentine's Day. It's called The Little Things That Kill, a teen friendship afterlife apology tour. Dun, dun, dun. Because it's never too late to say you're sorry. It's available on Kindle, print, audiobook. So far, early reviewers gave it 4.3 out of 5 on Goodreads. Hell yeah, Annie Fox. Hashtag women helping women. Also, my husband, David, is a Daily Bean supporter. We both love your shows. Uh, Gracie, the dog, does too. Look at Gracie's little <laughs> sweet face. <laughs> that second photo. Hey, where are we going? Uh, She's in the car. Where are we, where are we, where are we doing? Where are we going? We're going to the park, right? Not the vet, right? Not the groomer. Yeah, park, park, park. <laughs> so cute. So good. Thank you for that. And congratulations. What's the book called again? It's called Little Things That Kill. 
a teen friendship afterlife apology tour by Annie Fox. Everybody check it out. Next up from anonymous pronouns, she and her good news. My team received a company award last fall. Was it a leg lamp? Uh, I was lucky enough to plan some family time with my daughter and granddaughter in Europe, making memories that will last a lifetime. It was such an incredible experience for all of us as a first trip abroad. Pics of us in Ireland and Amsterdam. And for pet tax, I submit piglets to fall in love with from my brother's farm. Love y'all a bunch. I hope you get to enjoy the downtime. You got to go to Europe. Oh, look at how fun these photos are. Fabulous. Look, look at that <gasps> look statue at the of a lady. Look Dang. at the piglets. Oh, Amsterdam. Yeah, and the baby pigs. I want to hold them. <gasps> Little snorty piggies. Cutie. Thank you so much for that. This one's from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. Longtime listener, first time writer. I'm a little behind in listening, but the episode from Monday, February 5th, made me want to respond to two things. The first in response to the person getting Trump Republican texts. I have found the most effective way to end those is to respond. There is no fucking way I will vote for Trump Republicans, this specific candidate. I have found this ends all texts from them immediately. (laughs) The second is in addition to the be assured we know that bird. This lovely bird has been seen multiple times over the last few months. And I also hear it wrestling with breakfast on the roof some mornings. Do you know what the bird is? Oh, oh that's a red-tailed like a hawk. hawk. Mm-hmm. I think that's a red-tailed hawk or a cooper's hawk. Let's see. It's a red-shouldered hawk. Oh, that's because that's where the red is. Me. Oh, I should have. Yeah, I guess I could have looked at the anatomy. Way to go, Gil. Good job. All right. This one's yours. And it's all of our corrections for Murfreesboro. Great. I get to say Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro. All right. The Murfreesboro pronunciation brouhaha. A lot of people wrote in to help with the pronunciation, and a lot of you didn't agree with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Brenda, Charlie A., and Anne M. Yvonne, Kimberly, Beth Case Scenario, and Scott P. are in the Murfreesboro camp. Evan, Justin V., Stephanie L., Just an Average Grandma, Kat, Lucy, Brian, Pat, and Catherine are in the Murfreesboro camp. Dustin, pronouns he and him, says the trick is to throw a little southern drawl into it and let it pour out like you're drunk trying to pronounce the word sobriety. <laughs> Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro. <laughs> Chris, she and her, says just mush it all together and say it fast and you've got Murfreesboro. Mark S., pronouns he and him, offers a secret fourth way to pronounce Murfreesboro. He says start with Fresno, as in California, Change that to Fresboro. Add the mer to the beginning, Murfresboro, and make that first syllable the most emphatic one. The gratuitous Murfresboro. <laughs> the gratuitous e might make you want to say free in the middle of a city name, but that syllable is usually pronounced fre, as in Fresno, Murfresboro. There you go. Now you can come visit and sound like a native. Of course, Phil Williams. The f- I, I believe I said I, I was going to reach out to Phil Williams. You did. But what actually happened was I just got a text right after the podcast came out that Aired, day. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> from Phil Williams laughing his ass off at us, by the way. And, and, and here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the back and forth. Laugh crying emoji three times big. And then Murfreesboro. And he said, you had it. And I said, well, don't put that extra R in there. So wait, I said, is it Murfreesboro or Murfreesboro? And he said, it's freeze. It's freeze. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm going to ask Phil Williams. (laughs) So thank you to Phil Williams. Everybody, well, it's already Monday, but if you get a chance to, I know it's going to be on his uh, Twitter feed. He did this incredible story. It's going to air after the Super Bowl, but you can watch it again. Um, and I'll share it uh, on my Twitter feed too. It's, um, it's, this story is called, he once thought I was the devil. Now he's telling me his story and the story of Gwen Shamblin. Um, and it's a, it's about this cult leader. So definitely tune into that, check it out. I know it'll be available to view, uh, after the Super Bowl. So thanks to Phil Williams and all of the other people who wrote in, with some conflicting ways to pronounce Murfreesboro. 
We I appreciate you. you. Mark, Chris, <laughs> Dustin, Lucy, Pat, Catherine, uh, Average Grandma, Evan, Justin, Stephanie, Brenda, Charlie, A, Anne, M, Yvonne, Kimberly, Beth K. Scenario, and Scott P. Thank you all very much for not agreeing on anything and confusing <laughs> me even further. <laughs> I love I love Beth K. Scenario. That's, that's, uh, that's such a great name. Beth K. Scenario. Yeah. Well yeah. done on that, by the way, in the write-in name. Yes, thank you for the town south of Nashville, Murfreesboro. I think I've got it. I just need to practice. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here, my friend? Oh, no, I think I've said enough. I think I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank again, uh, Lori Kilmartin. Please check yes. out this woke grief slut. It's really, it's amazing. It's funny. If you have a dark sense of humor, you like Gallus humor, definitely check, check her out. She's brilliant. Everybody, we will be back in your ears tomorrow. We will then know who won the superb owl contest. And I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Vote blue over Q. Take everyone you know with you. I've been EG. And I've been DG. And that was The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th or get it ad free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.